We're going to invite Angel up for our scripture reading today. Good morning, church. Today's Bible reading is taken from the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 1, verse 33. But whoever listens to me will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm. Proverbs 10, verse 20. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver, but the heart of the wicked is of little value. Proverbs 12, verse 18. The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Proverbs 15, verse 1. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Proverbs 15, verse 18. A hot-tempered person stirs up conflict, but the one who is patient calms a quarrel. Proverbs 16, verses 20 to 21. Whoever gives heed to instruction prospers, and blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord. The wise in heart are called discerning, and gracious words promote instruction. Proverbs 18, verse 21. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Proverbs 19, verse 27. Stop listening to instruction, my son, and you will stray from the words of knowledge. Proverbs 25, uh, verse 15. Through patience, a ruler can be persuaded, and a gentle tongue can break a bone. Proverbs 30, verses 5 and 6. Every word of God is flawless. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words, or he will rebuke you and prove you a liar. Thank you, Angel. Good morning again, everyone. So if you've been with us the past several weeks, we have been looking at the book of Proverbs together. And today we're wrapping up our series on Proverbs, uh, but we have some new people with us. So I thought I'd recap a little bit where we've been. So Proverbs is a book about wisdom. And wisdom involves knowing things, but it's not just knowing things. Wisdom is the ability to take all the things you know about the world and incorporate them into the way that you live so that you live skillfully. Wisdom is not just about knowing things, but about living out the things that you know. It's living properly because you understand how the world works. And Proverbs talks about wisdom on a variety of topics. We've looked at some of these topics, things like caring for others and marriage and work and sex in the past few weeks. And those are all really important topics. But there's actually one topic that's discussed more than any other topic in the book of Proverbs, more than money and work and marriage. Does anyone know what it is? If you've been paying attention today, you might have some hints. It's our words. Words are a huge part of all of our lives. We use them throughout our days every single day. There was a study done a few years ago. They found the average person speaks, do you know how many words per day the average person speaks? About 16,000 words per day. That's a lot of words. Uh, There are very few things that we can do 16,000 times per day. And out of those very few things, a lot of them, like like breathing, which we do 22,000 times a day, or having our heart beat, which we do about 100,000 times per day, There are things that are essential for staying alive, right? Like we can't live life as we know it without words. And I know so many of the words we speak, they seem trivial. They seem unimportant. They're spoken in these these moments of life that just feel like they don't matter. 
But the weight of the evidence shows that words sit at the very center of our experience as human beings. I love the way Pastor Paul Tripp put this in this quote. He said, all of us are tricked into thinking that words aren't really that important because they fill all those little mundane moments of our lives. Maybe that's exactly why they're profoundly important. I don't want to hurt your feelings, but you only make three or four big decisions in your life. Most of us won't be written up in history books. Several decades after you die, the people you leave behind will struggle to remember the events of your life. You live your life in the utterly mundane. And if God doesn't rule your mundane, he doesn't rule you because that's where you live. Words matter because they fill up the parts of our lives that seem insignificant, but that's actually most of our lives. And so that's why Proverbs talks about words more than any other topic, because they're such a huge part of our lives. And so today we're going to look at what Proverbs has to teach us about words. And what we'll see is that words have the power of death and life. We'll see the power of words, the power behind words, and the power to change words. But before we dive in and look at Proverbs, let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are a God who speaks that as we're going to see today, death and life are in the power of the tongue, but you're a God who speaks to give us life. God, we pray that as we listen to your words today, we would listen to them in a way that gives us life and allows us to be messengers of life to the people around us. God, give us your ears to hear what you have to say to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. So first up, we're going to look at the power of words. We've already seen words are important. They make up a huge part of our lives. And I can see all the teens already just so thankful that we're not talking about sex again this week, huh? <laughs> but words are important. They make up a huge part of our lives. And what, what, a big part of what makes words so powerful is that we often underestimate them. Like we just said, we, we think they're insignificant even though they sit right at the middle of what we do throughout life. But have you ever really stopped to think about how powerful words are? Have you ever taken time to unpack just what they can do? We're going to start our sermon by doing that, by unpacking the power of words so we can feel a little bit more deeply how important our words are. And we're going to start with a big teaching of Proverbs. I think you could make a strong argument that what we're, this verse right here is the main thing Proverbs has to say about the power of words. And everything else Proverbs has to say about our words is just expanding and commenting on this one thing. And this one thing is Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, which says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Now, it's so easy to just read that as words on a page, but if, if you really let that sink in and think about what it's saying, it's a little bit scary, isn't it? Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Like, think about the way that you have used your words over the past week. If that's too much, just 24 hours. How have you used your words in the past 24 hours? Has the way you've used your words reflected that you believe this is true? Have your words brought death or life in the past week or the past day. My guess is for all of us, we all far too often use our words in ways that bring death. 
You know, the other night we were having dinner as a family and we had some stuff going on after dinner. So I just wanted a calm, peaceful, clean dinner. Our kids are one and two years old. If you have kids and, or have ever hung out with kids that age, you know that's just, that doesn't happen, right? But I wanted it. I really, really wanted a peaceful, quick, clean dinner so we could get the kids to bed and get ready for what was next. And my younger son, Isaiah, he's one year old. And as one-year-olds do, he was just making a mess. He was taking his milk bottle and throwing it on the floor so milk splashed everywhere. I I tried to give him a spoon of food and he just swatted it out of my hand so food flew everywhere. And I got frustrated with him. And I, any guesses what I did? I'll tell you, I was calm and gentle and kind. (laughs) No, you all know that's not where this is going. I got frustrated and I raised my voice and I scolded him harshly as if my one-year-old could understand that it's wrong to have fun with your food at the table. I didn't seek to love or connect or understand or bring life with my words. I just tried to scare him into eating peacefully so I could enjoy the meal and get on with my evening. I was living without this fundamental awareness that death and life are in the power of the tongue. And so I spoke to my one-year-old son in a way that planted seeds of death rather than seeds of life. And don't get me wrong, there are times where you need to be firm with your children, but if you're just blowing up because you're frustrated, that's almost never the right time. And that's just one moment from this past week where I've done this. It's not the only one. And my guess is that's true of all of us that over this past week, we've all used our words in a way that brings death, not life. Now, there may be one or two people here who are like, Eric, I I understand that words can be good or hurtful, but death in life seems a little bit extreme. Is that some hyperbole maybe? And the answer is no. If you look back at the story of the Bible, we should actually expect nothing less than this to be true. Because way back at the start of the Bible, Genesis chapter one, where does life come from? God creates it. How does God create it? He speaks. If you read Genesis chapter one over and over, it says, and God said, and there was. Life on earth comes from God speaking. Life has always been in the power of the tongue. And then you fast forward a couple chapters. Genesis three. How does death enter the world? Well, Adam and Eve, they eat the fruit, right? But why do they eat the fruit? Because the serpent comes and tells them lies and convinces them that they can't trust God. The serpent speaks lies to them. And and through that, death enters the world. Death is in the power of the tongue. From the first pages of the Bible, death and life have been in the power of the tongue. And it's no different today. And like I said, the rest of what Proverbs has to say about words basically expands on and comments on this idea that death and life are in the power of the tongue. So if you look at Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. If you're speaking with someone, your words have the power of death and life over that relationship with that person. If you want to create division and strife and death in that relationship, be harsh. If you want to bring peace and healing and connection and life, be gentle. 
And notice that in our broken, fallen world, things are always going to tend more easily towards death than towards life. Like, look, to turn away wrath, you need a soft answer. Every single part of how you respond has to be gentle and proper and appropriate if you want to bring healing. But all it takes to stir up anger is a harsh word. If you put all your effort and patience and self-control into responding properly in a conflict and you keep it going and you stand firm for 15 minutes of just gentle, calm, kind, all it takes is one second of frustration for that harsh word to slip out. You've just done, undone all the work that you had accomplished leading up to that. In our broken, fallen world, things are going to far more easily tend towards death than towards life. But death and life are in the power of the tongue. Another place Proverbs unpacks this truth is in chapter 12, verse 18. There's one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. This word rash, it literally means thoughtless or careless. Like, have you ever had someone say something thoughtless or careless about you and it felt like they just stabbed you as they said it? Thoughtless and careless words can be like sword thrusts. I was thinking about this verse this week and I realized over the course of my life, I've had many people who said just intentionally mean things to me because they were trying to hurt me, maybe because they didn't like me. And in the moment, those things hurt. But a lot of the times, you know, those things haven't really stuck with me. I can move on from those, whatever. But the things that have stuck with me the most, that have hurt me the most long-term, that have maybe even reshaped the way that I see myself and, and given me false narratives about where my value comes from, a lot of those words were spoken by people who cared deeply about me, who loved me, and who were just being thoughtless or careless in the moment in what they said. We don't have to be intentionally harmful to bring death with our words. We can just be careless. The good news, of course, is that we don't have to use our words in this harmful way. The verse also tells us if you speak wisely, it brings healing to those wounds. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And death and life, they're not only in the power of, of what we say, but also how and when and why we say it. So if you look at Proverbs 16, 21, the wise of heart is called discerning and sweetness of speech increases persuasiveness. Or in chapter 25, verse 15, it tells us with patience, a ruler may be persuaded and a soft tongue will break a bone. They're saying there's a way you can make an argument. It's totally factually right, but it's not gonna convince someone. You can take that same information, present it in a different way, and all of a sudden they're convinced by it. And you're like, that's what I've been telling you this whole time. And they're like, yeah, but I didn't get it the first time. Right, one commentator says, it's not just about saying the right thing. It's about saying it rightly. Saying the right thing in the wrong way or at the wrong time or to the wrong person can be just as bad as saying the wrong thing. But saying the right thing in the right way in the right time to the right person is really, really powerful. And this fact that death and life are in the power of the tongue, that applies not only to the words that we speak, but also to the words that we listen to. In Proverbs chapter 1, verse 33, wisdom is speaking. And she says, whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease 
without dread of disaster. Like we all have so many voices coming at us every single day from all sorts of different directions. You know, you wake up and you, you check your phone and there's all these messages on there and social media updates and emails that you see, words just coming at you left, right, and center. And then you, you know, get out of bed and there's your, your spouse or your parent or your child or your roommate who, who are all saying things to you. You get out the door and you're shocked by signs and advertisements that all want you to buy something. And then you get to work or school and you have teachers or bosses or coworkers who are telling you more things. And as if this wasn't enough words coming at us throughout the day, in the midst of all this, we all have that little you know, live stream commentary going on in our heads that's just giving feedback on all of this, adding even more words, some true words that give life, some false words that give death, but just adding even more words into that mix. And what wisdom is saying here is whether we get to go through life, no matter what we face, no matter what circumstances, whether we get to go through life secure and at ease, or whether we go through life in dread of disaster, ultimately comes down to whether we've learned to listen to and obey the right voices. That's it. Whether we have security and ease or whether we have dread of disaster is a matter of whether we are listening to and obeying the right voices. Having the right filter to use in sifting through all the words that come at us is so important because death and life are in the power of the tongues that speak to us. So all this to say, words matter. Words are powerful. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. You cannot live properly unless you have a right relationship with your words. Which brings us to our second point, the power behind words. Because, you know, words are powerful. But my guess is most of us don't go through day-to-day -day life just constantly aware of how powerful our words are. Most of us don't go through day-to-day -day life just shocked and amazed that God would put this incredible power inside our mouths to bring death or life to the people around us. I mean, at the same time, I'm guessing what I'm saying now is not revolutionary and new to you. We've all experienced times where the wrong word just ruined our day or where the, the right word just brought us out of a tough time and gave us hope and a new perspective. We know from experience that words are powerful. We've all felt their power, that power of, of death and life that's in the tongue. And so we know this, but then we go through life just unaware of it so much of the time. And because we go through life unaware of it so much of the time, we end up using our words in ways that, that aren't skillful, that aren't wise, that bring death instead of life to ourselves and the people around us. And we use words in ways that harm instead of building up. Why is that? Well, it's because our problem with words is not just an information problem. You know, back in the day, people would, would try and do all sorts of stuff to avoid getting sick, but they didn't really know much about science. And then one day someone discovered, hey, guess what? If before you eat food, you wash your hands with soap and water, it gets rid of germs and helps you avoid getting sick. And now they had this information, they could do it, and people were able to live healthier lives because their problem was an information problem. But our word problem isn't like that. No one's gonna walk away from the sermon saying, oh, okay, now I know that words are powerful. 
I have some tips on how to use them better. I'm going to do it and then be fine with your words. Like you may walk out of here thinking that, but if that's what you're relying on to get better, it's just, I know more, you're going to fail. Because our problem with words is not an information problem. We already know good words bring life, bad words bring death, and we all still use words to destroy every single day. Our problem with words, it's deeper than just a lack of understanding. It's actually even deeper than a problem with our wills. You know, you might walk out of here and say, I'm determined to do better with my words and set your will to it. And if you do that, you'll still fail. You know, over the years, I've had many friends who have decided, I, I want to do better with my words. And one way I'm going to do that is I want to stop swearing. And so one of the things that's a common thing to do is, is to get a swear jar. You get this little jar, and anytime someone catches you swearing, you have to put money in the swear jar. Has anyone seen or experienced this? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> that was a little too loud and emphatic of a no for anyone to believe. But do you know how much of an impact that swear jar tends to have on people's language? Basically none. Because these people already have the information. They know that swearing is bad. They have the will. They've set a goal. They've given themselves consequences for swearing. But our problem with words, it's not an information problem. It's not a willpower problem. It's, it's not even something where we just need consequences. It's deeper than that. Our problem with words with all of our words, is that our words operate on a flawed power source. Our words operate on a flawed power source. And Proverbs points to this in a few different places. So in chapter 10, verse 20, it says, the tongue of the righteous is choice silver. The heart of the wicked is of little worth. And in chapter 15, verse 28, the heart of the righteous ponders how to answer but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. Now notice in each of these verses, the, the tongue or the mouth is set in parallel to what? The heart. And here's what this means. It means what we say, the things that come out of us, they reflect what's inside of us. In the first sermon of this proverb series, we actually took some time to unpack what the heart is and what the heart does. And I know... Anyone who was here for that has probably forgotten it by now, and lots of us weren't here for that too. So let me just give you a quick recap. The heart is the center of all our loves and our desires and our worship. It's the control center for everything we are. What we choose to do with our wills is shaped by what we love in our hearts. What we do with our actions in our bodies is always shaped by what we love and desire in our hearts. Our hearts and the loves and desires that come out of them are the control center for everything we think, say, and do. Now, here's a really like scary, uncomfortable implication of that. Have you ever said something mean to someone and seen the shock look on their face and instantly been like, I'm so sorry, I didn't mean it, I didn't mean it. If what we say is connected to the thoughts and desires and loves deep in our hearts, when you say, I'm so sorry, I didn't mean it, you're wrong. You may not intentionally be lying. You may just be unaware. But what it's saying is what we say flows out of what is in our hearts. So the more accurate thing for you to say in that moment, which I know none of us ever, ever want to say, is 
I'm so sorry for saying what I actually thought. I know you don't ever want to say that, but that's reality. That's what it's saying right here. We say what's happening inside us. What, what comes out of us has an organic connection to what's inside us. Jesus recognized this and taught the same thing. If you look at Matthew chapter 12, verses 33 and 34, he said, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruit. How can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. When Jesus taught this, he wasn't making something new up. He was just summarizing what Proverbs had already been saying for hundreds of years. But the basic message that what I say on the outside reflects the deepest desires and loves inside of me, it's the same. I don't know about you, but that makes me a bit uncomfortable, huh? Because if I look at all the bad things I say, even in this past week, I don't like what that says about what's inside me. Can anyone here honestly look at like all the things you've said in the past week and been like, I really like what that says about what's inside me? No, of course not. If, if what Proverbs is saying here is true, it means anytime I say, I love and worship God with all my heart, and then I speak harsh words to my wife so I can manipulate her into doing what I want. My words of manipulation are actually showing that my claim to love God aren't completely true. There's some level of false worship or wrong love in my heart that's leading me to speak those harsh words. Or if I say all my security comes from God and then I demean others and talk bad about them so I can feel better about myself in relation to them. It's actually showing that I have insecurity in the deepest level of who I am. And as a deeply insecure person, I'm deeply uncomfortable with my insecurities being that publicly on display, right? I want to be able to say, oh, there's, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm demeaning them because they're beneath me. But that's not true. The truth is I only demean others because there's something deeply broken at the deepest level of who I am. And it's not only true of me, it's true of all of us. Our wrong use of words is not first and foremost an information problem. It's not a lack of willpower. It's a symptom of the fact that we are deeply broken deep down. At that heart level, the, the core of who we are, we all long for things we don't believe we have and we don't believe that God will give us. We don't trust that he'll give us what we need and so we use our words to grasp for it. We bring death, not life with our words, to the extent that our hearts are depending on ourselves rather than God. We bring death, not life with our words, to the extent that our hearts are depending on ourselves rather than God. We use words wrongly because they come from a broken power source, which means if we're going to use our words properly, we need transformation at the deepest level of who we are. So let's look at the power to change words and ask, where does that transformation come from? Well, we saw in our first point that death and life, they're in the power of the tongue, but they're not only in the power of our tongue, they're also in the power of the tongues that speak to us. And, and the power comes to us based on who we choose to listen to. That, that knowing how to filter out all the voices coming at us and choose the right ones to listen to helps put us on that path to life, not death. And so where do we find words that are wise enough and powerful enough to turn our hearts around, to change 
our loves, to give us peace and stability no matter what circumstances we face in life. Look with me at Proverbs chapter 30, verse 5. Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. You know what that means? It means the ultimate wise words that we need to listen to if we want to be on that path to life. The ultimate wise words we need to listen to are God's word. The ultimate words that can give us security and peace are God's words. The ultimate words that we can run to when every other word lets us down are God's words. Every word of God proves true. You know, even the best, most mature Christian you will ever meet in your life, at times they will let you down with their words. They will speak careless or thoughtless words to you. At times they may brush you off and communicate through their words and actions that you're not that important, but God will never do that. Every one of his words proves true. This word proves true, that the picture is of silver that's been through the purification process again and again and again, so that everything that's not silver has been burned away and only the good stuff is left. Out of all the words of God, there's nothing left except the things that are true and beneficial and helpful and life-giving. We can trust God because trusting and following his words will only ever lead us to life, not death. And the more we learn to hear God's words and give them power over our lives, the more we learn to let the words of God control how we see the world and shape our desires, the more we're going to be free from those wrong loves that control our hearts. And the more we're free from those wrong loves and desires, the more we're free to use our words in a way that brings life to others and to ourselves rather than death. See, it's a matter of learning and, and learning to trust what God's word says about you. You know, if you trust in Jesus, God's word has some wonderful, amazing things to say about you. John chapter one tells us that Jesus was the word of God made flesh. As God's word, as the giver of life, he deserved life and blessing, but instead he was rejected. Humanity felt threatened by the abundance of life that flowed out of him, so we killed him instead. And in his death, he paid the price for every wrong word you and I have ever spoken. Not only that, but he, prayed, he paid the price for everything wrong in our hearts that led us to speak those words of death. He paid the price so we can now have acceptance and love and blessing as God's children. And he comes to empower us so that we can have new loves and desires that lead us to speak new words of life. See, we use our words in wrong ways because we're trying to get things with our words that we feel like we need, but we don't have. But when we hear God's word spoken over us, it, it reshapes the way we see ourselves. It reshapes the way we see our situation and it empowers us to use our words as tools of love to serve and bring life to others. So here's an example. Some people like to be right. Does anyone like to be right? I have like a problem with this. I don't know about you. I, I hate being wrong. And it doesn't matter how trivial the detail is. I just hate being wrong. Like, oh, did we eat out for dinner on Tuesday night or Wednesday night? 
I hate being wrong. It doesn't matter how trivial it is. If I'm wrong, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make excuses about why I could have been right and should have been right if circumstances were not conspiring against me. Because I feel like some part of my worth as a human being comes from me being right. So I use my words as a tool to earn that worth. And if you stand in my way of being right, you better watch out because there are some words of death coming your way. Like that's just me being honest and real about my shortcomings and faults and flaws. But when I hear the word of God spoken over that desire inside me to be right, do you know what it says? Listen to what 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 21 says. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So I have this insatiable desire to be right, but in Jesus, I am the righteousness of God. Like all my desire to be right is satisfied and fulfilled already, completely, factually. It's just a matter of whether or not I believe it. But that deep desire in my heart, it's fulfilled through what Jesus did for me. And to the extent that I believe that's true, I can stop using my words to prove I'm right. I can stop using my words as weapons against others who think I'm wrong. And I'm set free to give life through my words because I've heard what God's word has to say about me. Or another example, some people use words to gain love and acceptance. I'm sure if you're not one of those people, you've met those people before because it's all around us. I think we all do it to some extent, right? And it can take different forms. It could be, you know, the girl who's so desperate for the guy to fall in love with her that she just won't stop messaging him. And her desperation just drives him away because she needs to be loved and approved of. You know, it's the classic sitcom situation. The desperate girl drives the guy away because she's trying to use her words to earn his approval. Maybe some of us have experienced this in real life. But it happens in far subtler ways too. You know, it makes me sick to think how many careless and thoughtless words I've spoken in my life that have hurt people just because I thought I could make a funny joke about them that would make other people laugh so they would like me more. I turn my words into weapons of death rather than tools of blessing in life because I needed the love and acceptance of the people around me and I thought I would get it if I could just make them laugh. And it didn't matter who I hurt in the process, as long as I got that love and acceptance. And on some level, we all use our words to try to gain love and acceptance. But you know what the word of God has to say to people like you and me who try to use our words to get love and acceptance? If we trust in Jesus, God says the same thing to us as he said to Jesus at his baptism in Matthew chapter 3, 17. Listen to this, the word of God for you. This is my beloved with whom I am well pleased. This is my beloved with whom I am well pleased. If we really heard and believed that that was God's word to us, if we believe that when God looks at us, he feels deep love and affection and pleasure, it would set us free. Because why do I need to earn the love and approval of these people around me? Why does their opinion of me matter when the God of the universe who created everything looks at me and says, beloved, pleasure. I wouldn't have to use my words as weapons anymore to earn identity and worth. I could just live out of that identity I already have 
and be free to use my words as tools of blessing. We can become messengers and ambassadors who use God's words of life to spread life to everyone we meet. And we could go on all day about the different desires in our hearts, the things that lead us to use our words wrong, and how the word of God comes in and speaks truth and life to us so we can speak words of truth and life to others. But what we find for all of them is the solution to us using our words better. It's not more information. It's not willpower. It's not better consequences. It's having our hearts loved, loves and desires changed through hearing God's words of life for us. And you know one of the things, just one thing that makes it really hard for us to hear and believe God's words of life for us? Some of us actually don't know what God says about us. Some of us maybe learned it before, but we've forgotten it. Some of us know them, but we sometimes just feel like, ah, I think when God had this written in the Bible, he didn't understand how much of a mess I would be. There's no way this can really be for me. Anyone ever been there? And that's why God gave us the church so that we can be messengers of life who deliver God's words of life in the right time and the right tone of voice to one another so we can be reshaped into the people that God wants us to be. He gave us the church so that if I don't know what God's word says about me, there's someone else who does who can speak that to me. He gave us the church so that if I've forgotten what God's word says about me, someone else can share that with me and remind me of it. He gave us the church so if I, if I don't really believe that this could be true of me right now, someone can come and put an arm around me and say, it really is. God knew how much of a mess you were going to be. And he said this to you because he loves you in the middle of all your mess. And the more we become a church that can speak those words of life to one another, it's just going to be this virtuous cycle where we're set free to continue speaking words of life to one another, to become a community of people whose words bring life and not death to the people around us. Church words are important. They sit right at the center of our everyday lives, and they're powerful. The power of life and death is in the tongue. But we all have a problem. We have wrong loves in our hearts that lead us to use our words as weapons of death rather than sources of blessing and life for ourselves and others. But through Jesus, we have hope. Through Jesus, God has rewritten our reality so the deepest needs and desires of our hearts are satisfied in him. And to the extent that we hear God's words to us and believe that they're true, we're going to be people who are free to use our words to give life, not death to the people around us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word brings life to a broken world and the broken people like us who are in it. God, we confess again that we've used our words in ways that bring death. We pray that you'd forgive us for that. We pray that you would help us to hear your voice and your words speaking to us today telling us who we are in you. Help us to believe that and trust in you so that we can be reshaped and transformed to be people who bring life, not death, with our words. In Jesus' name, amen.